Hey, everybody. This is Marion Shelley from Latter-day Lesbian Podcast. Today, we're going to start our episode with a reading. Shelley? Book of Mormon, 1 Nephi, chapter 12, verse 23. They became a dark and loathsome and a filthy people, full of idleness and all manner of abominations. 1 Nephi, chapter 13, verse 15. I beheld that they were white and exceedingly fair and beautiful, like unto my people. 2 Nephi 5.21 And he had caused the cursing to come upon them, yea, even a sore cursing because of their iniquity. For behold, they had hardened their hearts against him, that they had become like unto a flint. Wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, that they might not be enticing unto my people, the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. 2 Nephi 36 Many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a white and a delightsome people. Jacob chapter 3, verse 5, 8, and 9. Behold, the Lamanites, your brethren, whom ye hate because of their filthiness and the cursing which hath come upon their skins, that their skins will be whiter than yours, then ye shall be brought with them before the throne of God. Alma 3, 6. And the skins of the Lamanites were dark, according to the mark which was set upon their fathers, which was a curse upon them. 3 Nephi chapter 2, verse 15. And their curse was taken from them, and their skin became white, like unto the Nephites. Joseph Smith. The first mention we have of slavery is found in the Holy Bible, pronounced by a man who was perfect in his generation and walked with God. Brigham Young. Inasmuch as we believe in the Bible, inasmuch as we believe in the ordinances of God, in the priesthood and order and decrees of God, we must believe in slavery. David O. McKay. The seeming discrimination by the church toward the Negro is not something which originated with man, but goes back into the beginning with God. George Albert Smith. From the days of the prophet Joseph, even until now, it has been the doctrine of the church never questioned by any of the church leaders that the Negroes are not entitled to the full blessings of the gospel. Mark E. Peterson, If there is one drop of Negro blood in my children, as I have read to you, they receive the curse. There are 50 million Negroes in the United States. If they were to achieve complete absorption within the white race, think what that would do. With 50 million Negroes intermarried with us, where would the priesthood be? Spencer W. Kimball. At one meeting, a father and mother and their 16-year-old daughter were present. The little member girl, 16, sitting between the dark father and mother, and it was evident she was several shades lighter than her parents. These young members of the church are changing to whiteness and to delightsomeness. Okay, so that was hard to Mm -hmm. sit still and listen to. Mm Mm-hmm. These are views, traditional views of the Mormon church. Yes, I read from prophets. I read from apostles. Everyone who I quoted from was either in a Mormon scripture or in the upper levels of the Mormon church, either a prophet or an apostle. Wow. We got a problem here. Yeah. This was the shit that I grew up with. Yes, most of this was in the 1960s. And no, I was not alive in the 1960s, but my parents were. Mm-hmm. And my parents would not call themselves racist, but if they were taught that these things are from God, mm-hmm. it, it trickles down. Oh, for sure it does. Is the church still racist as these things that I read? 
I would say they've gotten better, but no one in the Mormon church at the higher levels has come back and said these prophets of God were wrong. Yeah. We made a mistake. Never. You could say that. We made a mistake. They never have. We misinterpreted God. Nope. Never have. Never have. And so when your religion comes out of this racism— Mm-hmm. And these horrible words come from men who supposedly talk for God. And the church now, in 2020, hasn't yet gone back and said, you know what? These guys were just wrong. Mm -hmm. They got it wrong. You're still in a racist cult, okay? If you don't say they were wrong, you are still a racist cult. Well, and you bring up a good point that your parents were alive when these things were taught back in the 50s and 60s. And... That stuff stays with you. Yeah. You know, and then you may not overtly teach those things to the younger generations, but it still happens. It seeps into the culture, that sort of thinking. Whether you mean it to or not, sure. It does. My dad would never say, I think black people are less than white people. I don't think he thinks that. I don't. Mm -hmm. However, he reveres and worships the early prophets. Yeah. And the current prophets. But Joseph Smith. Brigham Young, Spencer W. Kimball, all these men he worshiped and revered. Mm-hmm. And so when I read these things and hear these things that these men said, my brain goes to, oh, what they said, these racist remarks that I didn't recognize as racist, those things are true. Those are from God because these are prophets. And my dad looks up to these men. So you thought that as a kid, you think? Yeah. Okay. And I thought that for most of my years. Yeah. So here we are now. White, privileged people mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. And there's some shit going down. Right. And it's not brand new shit. It's been going down for a long time. And I was thinking about my situation and the situation of many of our listeners being privileged white people. What do we do? Yeah. What do we do? We want to be allies, right? What do we do? Right. We, the most recent thing, obviously, in the news and the protests and everything that's going on is the murder of George Floyd, mm-hmm. who a bad cop, horrible cop, put his knee in the back of his neck for eight, nine minutes, killed him while he struggled and yeah. said, I can't breathe, and then called out for his mom. Yeah, and there were bystanders trying to get the cop to get off of him. I was putting it in perspective of my own life. I don't care what crime I committed, how heinous it was. No cop would do that to me. No No. cop would pin me down and put his knee into my neck so I couldn't breathe for eight or nine minutes while I'm saying, I can't breathe. That would not happen to me as a white woman. Oh, no. That would not happen to me. So we recognize our white privilege. Here's an example of what white privilege sounds like. If you keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed, but destroying property has to stop. Yeah, it's horrible, but. Because what you should be saying (laughs) is it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black men has to stop. Mm -hmm. That's where the priority should be. Mm -hmm. And I have been astonished at how many of my Facebook friends fall in the category of, well, it's it's sad that he got killed, but they've got to stop destroying property. It's been very eye-opening. That's how you backpedal. Yeah. That's yeah. how you take the heat off the real issue here. Yeah. And so, Mary, as you and I sat and thought about, well, what should we podcast about this weekend? I felt like, you know what? We can't ignore this. I know we're typically a, a fun, laughing type, you know, mostly podcast. But this is serious, 
And as white people, and I know most of the listeners are white people Mm -hmm. who have been raised in a racist religion, what do we do? That's what I kept thinking. What do I do? I know this is wrong. I know what's going on. I know killing black people by police officers is wrong. I know that racism is wrong. I grew up as a racist, for sure. Didn't realize it, but I was. You have white privilege bias. Like you, yes. you just do. Yes. Yeah, and, don't, and, and I don't recognize a lot of it. I'm not saying just you and not me, by the no. way. Well, yeah. But we, yes. as white people, have plenty of privilege. Can go jogging and not be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can wear hoodies and walk through neighborhoods yeah. and not get killed. Or questioned or anything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So as I was struggling with this and wanting to go after this topic, I came across an article and it was awesome. It was actually written by a black woman to her black friends for her black friends to give to white people who ask <laughs> them, what do we do? How do we become an ally? Because it gets exhausting yeah. for the black person to keep having to tell the white person how to act. Mm-hmm. So this is coming from a white person, from me, but I'm going to tell you the words of a black person so they don't have to. Okay. And we don't have them on our show. So there's that. There is that. Yeah. So this article was written by Courtney Ariel, A-R-I-E-L. Look her up. She's on Facebook. She's also a musician. And I think that's one thing we can do to be allies is support people of color. Mm -hmm. Listen to their music. Watch their movies. Go to their businesses. Mm -hmm. Buy their books. Sure. That's one thing that we can do with our white money. There you go. Okay. For our white friends desiring to be allies. Here's an author's note. I'm writing this in hopes that it can be used to lighten the load of marginalized folks, keeping in mind that not all marginalized people want to engage in the ally conversation, and that is perfect as well. Mm -hmm. For those who do, my prayer is that when someone asks you the question, how can I be a stronger ally? You might choose to save your breath and energy and send this in its place. Okay. I've been asked by two dear friends, how can I be a stronger ally? Being the slow emotional processor that I am, I wanted to spend some time with this before I answered them. I surely appreciate and love these two individuals, and I appreciate their vulnerability in asking me this question. I'm not going to do much coddling here. I don't know that I believe that love requires coddling, but here are six things you can do to be stronger allies. Mary, you want to read this part? Yeah, here we go. One, listen more, talk less. You don't have to have something to say all of the time. You don't have to post something on social media that points to how liberal, how aware, how cool, how good you are. You are lovely human and amazing. You have also had the microphone for most of the time, for a very long time, and it will be good to give the microphone to someone else who is living a different experience than your own. Two, for one out of every three opinions slash insights shared by a person of color in your life, try to resist the need to respond with a better or different insight about something that you read or listened to as it relates to their shared opinion. Try just to listen and sit with someone else's experience. When you do share in response to what someone has shared with you, it can sometimes, well, not always, feel like white splaining meaning to explain or comment on something in an overconfident or condescending way. This adds to the silencing of the voices of people of color. Three, being an ally is different than simply wanting not to be racist. She says, thank you for that, by the way. Being an ally requires you to educate yourself about systemic racism in this country. 
Read Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, Tanahisi Coates' Between the World and Me, and Claudia Rankine's Citizen, and so many other great books and articles that illuminate oppression and structures of white supremacy and white privilege. Use your voice and influence to direct the folks that walk alongside you in real life or follow you on the internet toward the voice of someone that is living a marginalized slash disenfranchised experience. Four, please try not to say things like, I can't believe that something like this would happen in this day and age when atrocities like the events in Charleston, South Carolina and Charlottesville, Virginia happen. People of color have been aware of this kind of hatred and violence in America for centuries, and it belittles our experience for you to show up 300 years late to the oppression party, suddenly caring about the world. Don't get me wrong, I welcome you. I want for you to come into a place of awareness. However, your shock and outrage at the existence of racism in America echoes the fact that you have lived an entire life with the luxury of indifference about the lives of marginalized and disenfranchised folks. Five, ask when you don't know, but do the work first. This is nuanced. Some marginalized or disenfranchised folks will tell you not to ask them anything. Don't be offended by that. Folks are tired, and that is understandable because it is exhausting to be a marginalized person in the world. However, there is something special that happens within human connections and relationships. In a nutshell, don't expect for people to educate you. Do the work to educate yourself. Ask questions within relationships that feel safe, and do so respectfully. Six. And finally, stop talking about colorblindness. It's not a thing. Colorblindness is totally impossible in a nation whose land was taken from the indigenous inhabitants through an attempt at genocide and horrific colonization. The same nation that enslaved humans and exploited them in every way imaginable built a nation on their backs, hung them, hunted them, and for centuries kept them from their basic inalienable rights and still does. The same nation that exploits and deports immigrants who are promised refuge within the American Constitution. The same nation that incarcerated Japanese Americans during World War II and continues to promote bigotry, exclusion, and violence against LGBTQ gender non-identifying folks. This nation that allows swastika-wearing, Confederate flag-toting, anti-Semitic racists to have a platform for their hate. The same nation that promised religious freedom, yet targets those who do not believe in a white capitalist Jesus. Amen Amen to that. that. In this article, Courtney goes on to say, I love Jesus and promise Jesus was not white. He was literally brown and wonderfully Jewish and would have never been a capitalist. (laughs) So true. It will never be possible for us to be colorblind, and we shouldn't ever want to be. I heard a saying once at an Al-Anon meeting that offered me liberation. We are only as sick as our secrets and our shame. Shame can only live in the darkness. It can live within the systems of denial and defensiveness that we use to cover it up. And, you know, I'm just going to stop for a second reading this. Um, Defensiveness to cover it up. Defensiveness 
goes hand in hand with denial in a way. So defensiveness is that reaction that you were talking about earlier with, you know, your quote friends on Facebook. Yeah. You know, they're acting defensive. Mm -hmm. Well, he shouldn't have been committing a crime. Right. Right. And you might as well say he got what was coming in the next breath. I had a friend say, oh, well, the coroner's report said that he died from having drugs in his system. Right. 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 Seriously? Mm -hmm. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Fuck you. That's what I say to that. You might want to unfriend some people yeah, on I hope Facebook. you're listening, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I'm not saying we should live in this bubble where we don't ever hear a differing viewpoint. But at some point, are these people our friends on social media? Yeah, it's that, shocking. You know, that we have in our, our friend group on social media. You know, do we really want people like that in our circle, even socially? I say no, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Mm. Courtney goes on to say, we have to name these things, acknowledge them, and begin to do the deep work of transformation, restoration, and reparation. Yep, now I'm talking about reparations. Privilege means that you owe a debt. You were born with it. You didn't ask for it, and you didn't pay for it either. No one is blaming you for having it. You are lovely, human, and amazing. Being a citizen of a society requires work from everyone within that society. It is up to you whether you choose to acknowledge the work that is yours to do. It is up to you whether you choose to pay this debt and how you choose to do so. Sometimes living with privilege can disillusion us into thinking that being in community with other humans doesn't require work. This is a lie. It requires a great deal of work, and all of that work requires being a human and trying to love other humans well. I believe that this is holy work, the work of justice, the pursuit of it. It doesn't need an audience, and it will not always have one. It will happen most days in ways that are unseen. It might mean providing a meal or shelter, listening, using your particular area of expertise to help someone in need of that expertise who might not have access to it otherwise, bailing a protester out of jail, or paying a family's rent one month if you have the resources to do so, or marching at a rally with marginalized folks alongside other allies. There may not always be a practical, tangible way to pursue this work, but I believe you will know it when you meet it face to face. However it looks, it will be something that you do without needing to be thanked or receive praise. You are not a savior. Marginalized and disenfranchised folks can and will survive without you. We are magic. However, I urge you to pursue this work knowing that a system of white privilege afforded you access to opportunities while denying them to so many others. Above all, I urge you to keep trying. You're going to make mistakes. Expect this. But keep showing up. Be compassionate. Lead with empathy. Always. Keep learning and growing. If you do this, I truly believe you'll be doing the work of an ally. That was awesome. Loved it. So to quote from Courtney Ariel, she says, do the work to educate yourself. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. And I challenge all of you listeners to do the same. Mm -hmm. I've picked a few books. Okay. One is called Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi. 
He also has a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Mm, nice. Both of those have high, high reviews. Okay. Another one, How to Be Less Stupid About Race okay. by Crystal M. Fleming. And White Tears, Brown Scars by Ruby Hamad. Interesting. The bad thing slash great thing is those books, with the exception of How to Be Less Stupid, those are all back-ordered. Okay. Which makes me happy because clearly yeah. people are buying them and reading them, trying to get informed. There was one more I want to add. It's called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. That one's also back ordered. And so I got the Audible version and will be listening to it this week. Okay. And it should take six hours. And I'm making this promise to you that I will have listened to the entire thing by the time we podcast Again, I, I really think this is important to get educated because I am not. Right. And I will put all these titles and authors in the show notes for this episode. So if you didn't get a pen out to write all these things down, that's okay. You will be able to access them in the uh, description of this episode. So this is about half as long as our normal episodes. Yeah. We're not going to be doing foom pods and Mormon Mad Libs and all the fun stuff that we normally do. This isn't about that. We just are so heartbroken by the current events going on. We just wanted this to be its own thing. Yeah. This isn't a laugh no. today. No. It's a time to reflect and think about what we can do. How can we be part of the solution in this country? Because we, we need a wake-up call, people. Yeah. I agree. You know, and we really wanted this to come out as a timely response to what happened to George Floyd. It's got to stop. It does. And I don't want another— horrific murder to go by and have it just be old news until the next one. Yeah. And I know we tackle patriarchy a lot on our show. Yeah. This isn't about that today. We're taking a break taking from attacking a break from patriarchy. religion and patriarchy yeah. to concentrate on another serious topic. And we're not going to make fun of that one. Nope. Mm -hmm. Not time to make fun of it. It's time to do something. It's time to stand up. It's time to be part of the solution. Go to a rally. Yeah. You know, there are rallies taking place all over the country. You, you can get involved in that. Um, you could do some reading like Shelley's talking about. There are things we can start to do. Yeah. We and, need to figure that out. And like Courtney said in her article, when an opportunity shows up, you'll know it. Yeah. Look for those opportunities. And I know it sounds a little preachy what we're saying. We want to implore people to get involved and to take this very seriously. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty riled up about it. Pretty riled up. Me too. I agree. Whew. Okay, so different from the norm, different sort of episode today. Mm -hmm. How do you want to wrap this up, Shelley? I mean, we should always steer clear of cults because <laughs> they are no joke. <laughs> that is true. That is good advice. Thank you. Okay, talk to everybody later. Bye-bye.